0: Hello and welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, across the state of Georgia and across the nation, welcome, we got Georgia news we got to deal with out of the gate today, the phone number if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, so... This has national implications. It's a Georgia story with huge national implications. Uh, Congressman Doug Collins is expected to announce he's running for the Senate against Kelly Loeffler today. Uh, Before you cheer on this, we need to have a conversation about this. I I think he's making a big mistake here. And I like Congressman Collins tremendously. Uh, He's a fine guy. I'm, I'm not going to be critical of him. I know he would like to get in the Senate. He's not happy being in the minority in the House. Uh, he does think he will be more supportive of the president than Kelly Leffler long-term, and maybe he will. She has not done a great job of defining herself yet. She's still an unknown. Uh, she's got some, some campaign fundamentals that need to be worked on. But here's the problem. According to the law in Georgia, uh, when a vacancy opens and the governor appoints someone to fill that role for the U.S. Senate... There's a what's well, called a jungle primary or a jungle ballot. That is, all the Republicans and all the Democrats uh, pile under the ballot together. The governor picked Kelly Leffler for a number of reasons. Uh, Kelly Leffler is a, a self-made woman, a careerist. Uh, she is a billionaire in her own right, and then married a billionaire. Uh, she owns an NBA, a WNBA team. She owns the New York Stock Exchange uh, with her husband. She has a background in cryptocurrency. Uh, She grew up on a farm. She's a self-made person. And the governor wants to expand the Republican base in Georgia at a time demography in Georgia is changing. She's unquestionably a conservative. She has raised money for the Republicans here in Georgia a number of years. She backed Mitt Romney. She backed Donald Trump. Uh, Leffler is uh, fundamentally a conservative, though not a conservative activist. And she's got money she can spend to help keep the state uh, Republican. She has cash on hand for her campaign now, um, a sum equivalent to all the money raised by Governor Kemp to run in 2018. Leffler has on hand now two, $22 million. She gave herself uh, 20000000 million. She's got two additional 1000000 she She's got $22 million. Governor Kemp raised $22 million to run his race. Uh, so Collins will have to, to raise an exorbitant amount of money. But here, here's the, here's the thing. And this is the problem. And this is why I think Doug Collins is making a mistake. Under the existing law in Georgia, all the Democrats and Republicans pile in together, and the Republican calculus had been that uh, the Democrats would flood the zone with a bunch of candidates. They wouldn't be able to contain themselves, and it is happening. Ralph Warnock is getting in. Uh, You've got Matt Lieberman is already in. There are a couple others who are getting in. And uh, on top of that, you'll just have Kelly Leffler. So the Democrats will divide their vote. If Leffler gets 50% plus one vote, she automatically gets back into the Senate. She doesn't have to go into a runoff. If Loeffler uh, makes it to a runoff and, and a Democrat is able to get enough votes to get her into a runoff, then Leffler has a bigger war chest than that Democrat. And, and Republicans tend to do better in runoffs in Georgia than Democrats. So the advantage is absolutely to the Republicans in a jungle primary, and the Democrats know that. The Democrats also know that the Speaker of the House is no friend of Brian Kemp. He has now decided to scuttle Brian Kemp's adoption reform effort of the state. He has tried to scuttle a number of other Brian Kemp initiatives, and now he wants to scuttle uh, the Kelly Loeffler pick. Not just scuttling the Kelly Loeffler pick, he also wants to uh, help Doug Collins, who was a loyal lieutenant of his in the House. Now, the Speaker of the House and Georgia is scandal-plagued at this point. He's going to be an issue in the campaign in 2020. The Speaker of the House helped a number of of uh, criminal defendants and denied justice to a number of victims. Dragged those cases out for a while advertisements have already been shot by some of the victims uh, that will be used in the general election. I know because I've played audio of these victims and I have heard from several asking me to stop playing the audio um, because of this campaign the Democrats want to run. And I've been trying to tell the Republicans this. So along comes Doug Collins, who wants to run for the Senate, who lobbies aggressively for the Senate pick. And by the way, one of the reasons that Doug Collins did not get picked by Governor Kemp, there were two main reasons. One, the governor's office felt like they needed someone who could raise a massive amount of money and uh, self-fund, and that would be Loeffler, not Collins. And two, they needed someone who could expand the base uh, and that was Kelly Leffler in the suburbs, not Doug Collins, who could bring out the Republican base. But could he add to the base? Could he expand the party? And their calculus was that she would have an easier time than him. But there's a third reason as well. The third reason is they did not want to set a precedent for bullying the governor to get picks. And uh, the governor's office felt like there was a bullying campaign by Trump supporters and others to make it Doug Collins. And it would make the governor look weak. And it would make him look like a Trump lackey if he went that way when the governor has worked very hard over the last year and a half to show himself to be his own man. And that has worked for him. He is at above 50 percent in every poll out there on his popularity. The governor is hugely popular right now. A lot of the people who voted against him in 2016 or 2018 are saying they'll vote for him in 2022 because he's proven to be a conservative but also his own man. And that matters. <clears throat> the, the diehard Trump supporters, however, uh, don't like that. The diehard Trump supporters want him to show express fealty to the president, and they're mad at him over the Doug Collins thing. So So here's the state of play now. The Democrats in Georgia do not want a jungle primary. The Democrats in Georgia want to rewrite the rules... And change the way the election will be conducted, even though we're already into the process. The process has begun. The process began the moment Kelly Loeffler was sworn in. And the Democrats don't like that process, so they want to change the rules. And they are working with the Speaker of the House, David Ralston, to change the rules. Yes, David Ralston, the Republican Speaker of the House, is working with Democrats in the State House to undermine Governor Kemp. There is no other way to put it. He is undermining Governor Kemp in this effort, and you need to understand that's what's happening. He's working with Democrats. The governor, well, the Secretary of State asked the um, asked everyone to change the date of qualification for this jungle primary. The reason the Secretary of State wanted to change the date for qualification is because he's worried about being able, if there are a bunch of people on the ballot, he's worried about being able to get ballots printed and sent to soldiers, sailors, and and airmen abroad and Marines and have our armed forces uh, abroad be able to vote in November. And so he asked for the time for qualifications to be uh, brought back uh, when everybody else is qualifying. The Democrats have seized on this request from Brad Raffensperger, to get the Speaker of the House to go along with setting up a primary. Now again, the Republicans were banking on there being a jungle primary. You would have all the Democrats piled on the ballot with Kelly Loeffler. The Democrats would split their vote up. Kelly Loeffler would win without a runoff. It would save taxpayer dollars. It would ensure her reelection or her election. Uh, it it would be good for the Republicans in the state. It would be one less race on which they need to spend a bunch of money when they're trying to keep the House and the Senate. Well, the Democrats are working with with the Speaker to create a primary process, which is a fundamental change of the rules while the game is already being played. They want to have—the Speaker is a Doug Collins friend and wants Doug Collins to run against Kelly Loeffler. He wants to beat the governor, and he wants to beat Kelly Loeffler. He also wants to beat conservatives. You need to understand this. It, it, it is somewhat interesting here— uh, that Collins is perceived as being more conservative than Leffler, and yet the Speaker wants to use Collins to beat the Conservatives. Why? Because Conservatives in Georgia are showing a good bit of loyalty to Brian Kemp, and the Speaker, therefore, is upset with Conservatives showing loyalty to Brian Kemp, and he thinks they need to to be humbled. And uh, one way to humble them is to divide them from the governor and, and try to force a split on the conservative side between uh, Leffler supporters and Collins supporters. The Speaker has managed to maintain his position for so long by dividing conservatives and believes that a primary would divide the conservatives and keep them fractured and keep him in power uh, so that no one would be able to unite against the Speaker. So creating a primary helps the Democrats and helps the Speaker divide the conservative base. It hurts Leffler and it hurts the Republicans. Now, the reason it hurts Leffler, obviously, is because she'll have to go into a primary. Uh, it, undisputedly, Doug Collins is a hero to a lot of people in the impeachment trial and the, li- in, and the like. He's, he's a personally great guy. Uh, he's a good man. He's a good congressman. He is a conservative. And Leffler will have to run in that race with him in that primary. But what it also does is it gives the Democrats an advantage to be able to consolidate behind one person. Uh, See, if you remember, you've got David Perdue on the ballot in November as well. And with Perdue on the ballot in November and uh, Leffler on the ballot in November, the Democrats are going to have a bunch of candidates because – while Purdue's race would go through a primary, and you will, it'll be between Sarah Miko, Teresa Tomlinson, John Ossoff, uh, there will only be one Democrat to focus on. But on the uh, but in the Leftler race, there could be five Democrats to focus on, and it will prevent even the Democrat running against Purdue from getting the message out. And so, by consolidating a primary and making a primary for Leftler as well as Purdue. It allows the Democrats to consolidate behind two candidates, one for Purdue and one for Leffler. So the Democrats will be better able to focus their message. Doug Collins doing what he's doing with the speaker and the Democrats, fundamentally changes the rules of the election as the campaign's already begun. And it hands a huge advantage to the Democrats. By allowing the Democrats to rapidly consolidate behind one person for Purdue and one person for Leffler, instead of having a million candidates running and no unified message. But there's another thing it does as well that hurts the Republican Party. In addition to fracturing, and and let's be clear here, the Speaker of the House understands this. The Speaker of the House in Georgia understands this is going to fracture conservatives, not just at the state level, but at the national level as well. There will be a lot of conservatives who want to rush in and help uh, Doug Collins at the national level. They will, and and they'll be right to. Doug's been loyal to them. They'll be loyal to Doug. But there will be a lot of people who come in and they want to help Governor Kemp as well because Governor Kemp has earned a lot of friends. And you'll have the pro-life movement now split because a lot of the pro-life groups in D.C. that were skeptical of Leffler, she's won them over now, and so they'll be split on the race. So what will happen is you'll have a bunch of divided resources pouring into the state, and you'll have a bunch of Republicans spending money in Georgia on a Senate seat when, oh, by the way, look over here, the General Assembly is in danger of going to the Democrats. Collins getting in means for every new dollar that goes into that race, There's one less dollar going to protect the General Assembly, and redistricting is coming. Collins getting in increases the odds of the Democrats taking back the state House because of all the resources that will pour into the Senate race that would otherwise go to protecting the House and the Senate. This isn't a good thing for the GOP in Georgia. This, this divides the GOP in Georgia at the very moment it needs unity. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to this, but the state Republican Party does not have a lot of money in the bank. And Leffler was going to be able to help fund the state party and get the state party back on its feet. And now she's not going to be able to do that because she's got to protect her seat. I don't fault Doug Collins for wanting the seat. Again, he's, he's now in the minority in the House. He's not in the majority. He's not a committee chairman. The House is not going to go back to the Republicans in 2020. He would like to go to the Senate. He doesn't want Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. And I get that. I I fundamentally get that. But I also get and understand that by him doing it this way, by working with the Democrats, by working with the Speaker and the Democrats to do this— He's making it harder for the GOP to consolidate in Georgia. He's making it harder for conservatives to unite in Georgia. He's making it harder to hold on to the state house in Georgia. He's making it harder to hold on to the state Senate in Georgia. He's making it harder for the GOP to rally in Georgia. He's making it easier for the Democrats to unite behind one candidate. He's making it easier for the Democrats to consolidate their message. He's making it easier for the Democrats to find core talking points. He's making it easier for the Democrats to get it to November. He's making it easier for the Democrats And harder for the Republicans. And again, I like Doug, but this is a mistake. This is a mistake. I understand that he wants it. And I understand he's popular and I like the guy too. But this starts a civil war on the Republican side. And who's actually pulling the strings here? It's not Doug. It's the House Democrats and the Speaker who hates the governor. And there's one more thing you need to consider. One more thing you need to understand. This is a race the governor has to win. This is a challenge to the governor's authority. The governor must win this seat. The governor must win this race. The governor must make sure Kelly Loeffler wins, because if he doesn't, then he's going to be a lame duck, even though he could potentially serve another term. This is a direct challenge to the the power of the governor by the Speaker of the House, a man who does not have conservative interests at heart. And the people who are supporting Doug should ask themselves, why is a Speaker of the House who has shown nothing but unbridled hostility to conservatives trying to do this? It has everything to do with dividing conservatives and helping the Democrats, and Doug Collins should not be the pawn of the Speaker and the Democrats, and that's what he's become. The quest for power does things to people, and I would love to see Doug Collins in the Senate but it's a mistake for him to do it this way. Now, Collins running for the U.S. Senate, of course, will create an opportunity for an election up in northeast Georgia. Uh, Let me give you the counties that are affected. Uh, Those of you listening on WCHM in in, uh, Habersham County, you know uh, you're involved here. It's uh, Elbert, Madison, Jackson, Hall, Northern Forsyth, Dawson, uh, what else? Lumpkin County is in there. Fanning County is in there. Uh, looks like, is it part of, no, it's not part of Cherokee County. Um, a, White County, Habersham County, Rabin County, uh, Franklin County, Banks County, Hart County, uh, that, that area up there. It is the northeast corner of the state uh, is where the special election would, or not, it wouldn't be a special it wouldn't be a special election up there it would be uh, just an if if well okay if there is a primary and the governor's going to veto the legislation now the governor says he's not changing the rules the governor is, it does not he the governor was willing to move up the regi- the qualification period so that uh, it wouldn't complicate ballot dispersal, but he's not willing to fundamentally change the rules of the game. Uh, He says that's what the Democrats accuse the Republicans of doing all the time, and he's not going to fall for it, even though the Democrats want it. Uh, So there won't be a a changing of the rules, which means there will be a November jungle primary uh, with everyone on board unless the House and Senate can override the governor's veto, which I think the Senate's going to kill the legislation anyway. And, uh, so you're, you're going to have a situation then where there's going to be a special election up there at some point in the future. Uh, and when that happens, it'll be Northeast Georgia. Again, it's, uh, Fanning County, Rabin County, Habersham County, White, Lumpkin, Dawson, Northern Forsyth, Hall County, Banks County, Franklin County, Hart County, Elbert County, Madison County, Jackson County. It is, uh, goes, uh, straight down into a little bit of, uh, Clark County as well. The Northern part of Athens, is in this district as well uh and so it is a very republican district the democrats do not actually have a shot in 2018 i think the democrat got 10 percent of the vote 15 percent of the vote maybe uh actually let, let me let me let me Check my facts on that so I can give it to you right. Uh da, 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 da. uh yeah, twenty eight. Okay, twenty percent, twenty percent. Uh Josh McCall. It was Collins got seventy-nine point five, and Josh McCall, the Democrat, got twenty point four nine percent of the vote. Uh, so it is not a um not exactly a favorable district for a Democrat. Uh, It is Georgia's 9th congressional district. And so there will be a race there. Now, there are already names that are coming out. Uh, Governor Deals, former chief of staff from Gainesville, is one of the names that are being floated. Uh, Martha Zoller, the talk radio show host, is being floated as a name. Uh, Several other names out there that could run for Doug Collins' seat if he actually does run for the Senate seat. But again, uh, this is the issue here. If Collins does actually intend to run— And there is a primary, well, then you're not going to worry about a special election. If if the governor vetoes it and the veto stands, which is likely, then we're not going to see this race shape up until later this year. And Collins can campaign knowing that if he wins, there's going to be a special election, uh, but also knowing if he loses, he can remain a congressman. And to some degree, that actually benefits him there as well. He could remain a congressman, run for the Senate. And um and, and go from there, and unless the, there is a provision on the ballot, uh, there is a provision in Georgia law that might affect him. There, if you're running for an office and the term of that office is different from your office, uh, you you may have to uh, step aside. I'm not sure that would impact him though, given the, the alignment of the terms. But anyway, this is going to be a huge fight in Georgia. Uh, the Speaker of the House siding with the Democrats to change the rules. To go after Brian Kemp and Kelly Leffler, and that's going to have some major blowback in the state and national repercussions as money's consumed here in Georgia that could go to other big races across the country. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back. The phone lines are open if you want to call in. If you want to weigh in on the Doug Collins, Kelly Leffler thing, feel free to. The phone number is 877 97 Eric, 877 973. 7425 Uh, Do know uh, Beverly in Rome, she to WRGA up in Rome, uh, emailed and asked we're in this action army thing, is there something we can do? Yes. Uh, I will do an action alert so that you can reach out to your House member and tell your House member not to side with the House Democrats on on changing the rules in the middle of the game. Uh, It it only helps the Democrats here. It doesn't actually help the Republicans. Uh, If you want to take part in that, I will send it out here in a little while. I haven't got it set up. I I will in a little bit and I'll text you the link uh, to use. Uh, Text the word ARMY to 33777. Text the word ARMY to 33777. And uh, later on, I will send you back a text uh, this afternoon or just maybe during the show if I can get it set up during a commercial break. And you'll be able to text your member of the House of Representatives here in Georgia and tell them don't help the Democrats change the rules in the middle of the game, you know, it just, and I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on this issue though. I, I will take your phone call if, if you got something to say on this, but I do find it a little bit preposterous that for two years now, the Democrats have been accusing Republicans of changing the rules in the middle of the game. And now what are the Republicans, what are the Republicans want to do? <laughs> they want to change the rules in the middle of the game. That's that's crazy. Um, and I I don't think the Republicans need to be collaborating with the Democrats on this issue. I think that's bad form. Uh, I, I think that it is going to hurt the Republicans badly. And I think it is going to undermine uh, the Republicans' ability to unite in November. Now, I, I will tell you this, and I thought this is very interesting... Um, Billy Kirkland has moved from the white house, uh, where he's worked with the vice president. He's worked with the president's team and he's now going to run, uh, Kelly Leffler's campaign team. Billy Kirkland ran David Perdue's campaign. So the guy who ran David Perdue's campaign against two, uh, Jack Kingston and Karen Handel in particular, those two. That guy is now going to run Kelly Leffler's campaign. My susp- heres my thinking and my suspicion based on the the conversations I've had with people. I think that they are—we're uh, go- going to see that some of Casey Cagle and Nathan Deal's team runs. Doug Collins's seat. Now, for those of you not in Georgia, I, I, you don't need to get in the weeds here, and I, I don't mean to be so in the weeds with everybody here, but but it is worth understanding the political dynamics here. North Georgia, and I don't mean this disparagingly to those of you in North Georgia, but but there is a there is a belief among some in the Republican Party that what they call it the Gainesville Mafia. Now, it's not really a mafia or anything like that. Uh, it's just there are Republican power players in uh, northeast Georgia, out of, out of Hall County, that have a lot of money and have helped Casey Cagle and Nathan Deal for a number of years. And they also helped Doug Collins. And they've also helped the Speaker of the House, uh, David Ralston. And Brian Kemp's election is an affront to their power. Brian Kemp did not get elected uh, on the fortunes of the power players in that area. He got elected with his own base of power, a lot of it south of I-20. Now, he ultimately wound up winning those counties against Casey Cagle, which showed revealed that the power brokers did not have as much power with the base as they thought. And it was an eye-opening experience as much for everyone else as it was for them that their power was not as much as they thought it was when they had control and and sway with the governor, with the speaker, with lieutenant governor. And now what do we have? We have a lieutenant governor from Forsyth County. We've got a governor from Clark County. Uh, The the, the Hall County uh, power base, uh, that area up there has largely been in decline. And they would very much like to get it back. And having a senator... Would be useful. It would also be a way to get back at Governor Kemp. Governor Kemp is blamed by some of these people for uh, marginalizing them, for alienating them, and for taking away their power. And they would like their power back. I, I now I don't mean to 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 point my finger at Hall County. I I don't want to upset my listeners in Hall County uh, where I have a lot. But you do need to understand that this is kind of a, a core base of support there for these folks, and they don't like that the governor is not one of them. He's from the outside. They all backed Casey Cagle here in Georgia. Uh, Casey lost, and they really wanted Doug Collins to go to the Senate. Some of them offered him up as a compromise to the governor of, you will keep us happy if you put Doug Collins in the Senate, and and we will help you. The governor said no. The governor wanted someone who could work in the suburbs in the Atlanta area, and uh, now they're out to get the governor. So... This is going to be a good, big fight in the state of Georgia. It really is a huge fight, and it's going to have national implications uh, because of all the resources that are going to be consumed. And then there's the huge speaker fight versus the governor. I, I'm telling you, the gloves are going to have to come off on this. The Speaker of the House here in Georgia is wants to stop the governor's uh, reforms on um, on adoption. He wants to stop the governor's support of religious liberty. He wants to undermine faith-based adoption agencies. And now he wants to work with the Democrats to change the rules on elections in Georgia to help the Democrats. Uh, The governor is not going to be able to stand for this. The governor is going to have to fight back. This is a challenge to his power, and it's going to be interesting to see. Now, I I, want to move on. Because i got to tell you, there's a video clip circulating from CNN, from Don Lemon's show. And it happened the other day. And it didn't get a lot of attention when it happened. And now it's starting to get a lot of attention. And it's getting attention because uh, my buddy Steve Krakauer actually saw it and flagged it. And a lot of conservatives pay attention to Steve. And it really is, it's incredible, and it now has 4.5 million views, which is way more than it had at CNN. And I want you to listen to this and think to yourself, wow, I can't believe this didn't get traction when it happened live. And what you're going to find is that. CNN, which obsesses over Fox News doing stuff like this, is becoming exactly like Fox except on the left.
1: And it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so <laughs> that's, that's Don partly Limon's him playing and to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one, and they oh, you all y'all elitists are dumb.
2: You us you with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my math but, and your reading, yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your all latte, all those lines on the map. Uh, <laughs> only them elitists know where Ukraine is. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize.
1: But by, but or or by side side oh
2: my <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but you know, but but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what? Rick. NPR should Why do. Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you? Give me what? a second.
1: You hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that was you, a good one. I needed that.
0: That was Don Lemon with rick wilson and i've the other guy is in the new york times uh, the other guy is the guy who when there were protesters outside mitch mcconnell's house uh threatening to go in and slit his throat he was tweeting massacre mitch massacre mitch uh and now he's upset that conservatives are mad at him for this um the, y'all Insert my standard admonition about having worked at CNN and liking the people at CNN and, and even knowing and, and liking Don Lemon uh, well enough, I, this is appalling to see it's appalling to see because while people at CNN will say, oh, Fox News does this all the time, CNN goes out of its way to make sure everybody knows it's not Fox News. I mean, Fox News lives rent-free in CNN's head. Don't believe me? Listen to this. Uh, This is from Sunday on CNN. One one show. One show on CNN on Sunday, the Brian Stelter Stelter Reliable Sources show.
2: Hey, I'm Brian Stelter. Welcome to Reliable Sources. This hour, as the impeachment trial goes on, brand new polling from Fox News Plus Fox Fox's Mark Levin Fox News the Fox effect. Fox News, Fox News channels, Foxes Foxes from Fox. The Fox Firewalls. The Fox audience and Fox News. But then Fox Fox News. Fox Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Live on Fox for FoxNews.com. Fox News. Fox Stars and Fox News. I wanted to ask you about a brand new Fox News poll. We will see you back here on the program this time. Next week.
0: Fox, 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 Uh, Fox lives rent-free in CNN's head. If Fox News had people on, and in fact, Fox has had people do this about the left. And CNN went after Fox News for doing this about the left. And now you've got a CNN host doing this with, with two guests about Trump supporters, ridiculing Trump supporters. Here's the problem. I mean you, you you could be offended by this uh, and you should be some of you won't be because you actually think that's how Trump voters are and I I understand you and and I disagree with you but CNN claims to be a fair network Fox News used to use the slide, the, the the phrase fair and balanced CNN uses the phrase fair and balanced. CNN uh, likes to be the network that is presumed to be objective. CNN likes to use the network that is presumed to uh, be a straight news network. And CNN is a network that has in the past prided itself on a level of balance, if you were going to have a Republican, you needed to have a Democrat. If you were going to have a, a Trump supporter, you needed to have a Trump opponent. If you were going to have a Democrat, you had to have a Republican. If you are going to have a Trump opponent, you had to have a Trump supporter. Here is a host and two people who dislike Donald Trump on a CNN show uh, with no one else. You know, when I was at CNN, frequently it would be me versus the host and three other people. And I, I liked those odds. I was fine. They would step on each other and I could make one cogent point. But there's no balance there at all in that CNN panel. and when when did CNN do that? Because CNN used to blast Fox and you know for the longest time at Fox, you had to have balance in your panels. And at some point a couple of years ago, Fox stopped being so wedded to the idea of that balance, but and CNN went after them for doing that. Where is the balance on the CNN panel? Is it a news show or is it an opinion show? Because CNN routinely blows up Fox News for doing opinion and not news. And CNN says it does news. Well, here's Don Lemon's show uh, where they're all having a good time laughing at Trump voters, making fun of Trump voters, Southern accents and the like, uh, ridiculing Trump voters. And there is no balance and there is no news in it. It, it, it's, it is a self-affirming, it, it's no different from MSNBC, which CNN says it's not. And, and that as well, that, that's one of the sticking points here with this is there really isn't any sort of balance. And, and I got to tell you, along those lines, have they learned nothing? You had the deep condescension from the media over over Brexit voters. And guess what? They won. You had deep condescension in 2016 over Trump voters, and guess what? They won. You have continuous deep condescension over Trump and Trump voters. And they lost in 2018, but they've otherwise done a pretty good job. And in fact, they're going to win on impeachment as well. It's, it's an interesting juxtaposition to see a network that prides itself on being a straight news network that can relate to people go in this direction. Donald Trump has broken CNN. Donald Trump has broken CNN. It's a bad look for CNN. They should have known better than to do this at CNN, but they didn't. They went for it anyway. Donald Trump broke them just another institution that's broken. And, and you know, the, the appalling thing here is that the people at CNN won't be able to recognize it. They won't be able to admit they have a problem. Now, I can tell you, I've already heard from some of the people at CNN behind the scenes who were appalled by it, who also didn't see it. And, and they actually agree with the sentiment that the most interesting thing about it is that no one noticed at the time, which begs the question of who was actually watching that show, that no one saw it at the time and paid attention to it because it's from a couple of days ago. And only now does it become a big viral story uh, on the Internet after no one saw it originally. Uh, Who actually is watching that show and what actually are the problems there and who came up with the idea of an unbalanced panel? That's actually really problematic overall from a news network that claims to give you real news, not fake news, and lectures you on the difference between apples and bananas. Oh, 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 uh, a source just told me there's going to be a special rules meeting today to fast-track uh, House Bill 757, which would uh, is the Democrats' plan to create a special primary. Um, we will have to get on this again. Text the word army to three, three, seven, seven, seven at the top of the hour. When we go to commercial break, I will get the action alert ready, uh, so that you can call your, um, you can call your member of the state house of representatives. You're going to want to oppose house bill seven, five, seven, um, which will, is the Democrats attempt to change the rules mid game with the help of the speaker. You're going to want to oppose that. Um so we'll get on it but you've got to do your part uh and the way to do your your part is to text the word army to 33777 it is time to take advantage of the fully operational statewide conservative army that listens to this program we do not want the democrats in the state house working with the speaker of the house to steal an election so text the word army to 33777 that is important uh very very important that we do. Now, uh, let me dwell a, a moment more on the uh, Kobe Bryant stuff, but also, it's actually a larger issue. It's not Kobe Bryant per se. Uh, you, you've probably now seen the report. I've had several people sitting to me and saying this woman needs to be fired. A, a woman talking about Kobe Bryant on MSNBC sounded like she said the N word. She immediately took to social media and apologized and said, that's not what happened. She began to say that he played with the Knicks and realized midway through the word Knicks that he played with the Lakers and the ers from the Lakers went with the word for the, the, the other team and it made it very much sound like she was saying the N word and it was a slip of the tongue. She immediately corrected it on air and apologize for it profusely, and there are a lot of people who are just trying to burn her down for claiming that she actually did use the N-word when I, I think she very quickly, very quickly, too quickly, I think, to have come up with it and focus grouped it and, and worked on with a damage control team, she immediately was out there saying, no, I'm sorry, I I'm. she's in New York, and the Knicks are the team, and she messed up, and she was very sorry. And I, I I don't think she needs to lose her job over something like this. Uh, what I what I do believe is that um, there are a lot of people in the media who are behaving really badly right now. Beyond this Don Lemon fair and balanced panel nonsense, but look at this Washington Post reporter, and I don't want to use her name, Felicia something or other. Um, she immediately, within an hour or so of of the breaking news that Kobe Bryant had been killed in this helicopter crash, was tweeting out stories about him uh, and sexual harassment and rape allegations from years ago. And she was lit on fire by people on social media. And then she started sharing hate mail she was getting to her Washington Post address, which is against company policy. Her editor intervened and told her she needed to cut it out. She was making the whole place look bad. Uh, emotions were still raw. Now was not the time to immediately go there. So what did she do? Well, they wound up suspending her. And what did she wind up doing? She wound up uh, airing her grievances against the Washington Post. And young millennial reporters are rushing to, to defend her. Oh, you can't suspend her. How dare you suspend her? no, actually i I think listen, if you're violating company policy by sharing internal emails and sharing private conversations that your editor has had with you, then you need to be suspended if not fired. Couple that with the 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 Nash the NPR reporter. listen, I, I don't know the details on all of it. Mike Pompeo says he had a meeting had a an interview with an NPR reporter. Uh, the NPA became hostile. Pompeo asked her to point on a map to Ukraine. She pointed to Bangladesh instead uh, or Burma, but I think it was Bangladesh. And um, they, they ended up in a, a screaming cussing match and she spilled the beans on all of it. Pompeo says it was supposed to be off the record and she didn't know where Ukraine was. Uh, and now they've taken NPR off a trip and the media screaming about that. Yo, When did the media want to become the story? Because a lot of this is about the media becoming the story. A lot of this is about the media uh, making itself part of the story. And it always is young reporters, 20 and 30-something reporters. It's always 20 and 30-something reporters who want to be part. They don't want to break the news. They want to be part of the news. They want to be in celebrity culture. And and they want the outrage. They, They want all of this. And... It comes at a time where the media increasingly isn't trusted. They just think about, think about all the young reporters in Washington who told you all what a strategic genius Nancy Pelosi was for several weeks withholding the articles of impeachment uh, that it was somehow going to be a strategic genius Nancy Pelosi. Turns out that Donald Trump's popularity rating, his, his job approval rating, is the highest it's ever been now. Did you know that he his popularity is the highest it's ever been. And also Bernie Sanders looks like he's going to run away with it in Iowa. Remember, she did this to help some people think at least to help Joe Biden and to hurt Donald Trump. And it turns out Joe Biden's being hurt and Donald Trump is being helped. But Nancy Pelosi, the same reporter said she's a strategic genius. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show across the state of Georgia. The full number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Important, important, important. So the Democrats in the state legislature, I spent I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this hour. Let me just because we got a couple of stations joining now who weren't here in the last hour. Let me just um, simplify this for everyone as we move forward. The Democrats in the state House of Representatives are working with the Speaker of the House, who is purportedly a Republican, to change the rules on elections in Georgia while the election is happening uh, for a special election in Georgia. All of the candidates, Democrat and Republican together, are piled into an election and they are all on the ballot together. And the Republican has an advantage because the Democrats, you've got just Kelly Leffler, and the Democrats have five or six people running. So the Democrats spread their votes out. Leffler has the ability to get 50 plus one vote and not even have a runoff. The Democrats want to consolidate and want to have a primary for this race. And so the Democrats are working with Speaker David Ralston to create a primary for themselves. In effect, they want to change the rules in the middle of the game uh, so that they don't have to all be on the ballot against Leffler. The problem here is it's also going to spark a civil war on the Republican side because Doug Collins has decided he's going to run for the Senate against Leffler and, and do a, in a Republican primary if this happens. And that's bad because it will consume massive amounts of resources and divide the Republican Party. And by the way, the Speaker wants the Republican Party divided because there's a growing effort to oust the Speaker. And as long as the Republican, the conservatives in particular, are divided, then the Speaker gets to cling to power. So this is all about uh, self-preservation on the Speaker's part and also helping the Democrats because the Speaker knows ultimately he's going to wind up needing Democrat help. You need to stop this it is inappropriate to change the rules of the election in the middle of the game. And that's what the Democrats are trying to do to give themselves an advantage. Can you imagine in November, you've got David Perdue versus one Democrat and Kelly Loeffler versus a dozen Democrats. It makes it very hard for any one Democrat to gain traction. It makes it very hard for any one Democrat to get attention. And it makes it very hard for any one Democrat to, to consolidate the vote. That gives an advantage to both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler. And the advantage it gives to David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler is that uh, they will have singular messages. And both David Perdue's opponent and the million Democrats running against Kelly Loeffler will be fighting for attention on the left to get their message out. If the Speaker of the House and the Democrats in the State House are successful, it makes it vastly easier for the Democrats to rally around one candidate for each race. It makes it vastly easier for each of those candidates to get attention. And it makes it vastly easier for the Democrats to coordinate a common message. It gives an advantage to the Democrats. They haven't earned. They're trying to change the election while the election is happening. And that is wrong. And the speaker of the house is doing it because the speaker realizes it is to his advantage to divide the GOP. So I need you to do something. I need you to text army to 33777 text the word army to 33777. And what I'm going to do in a few minutes is I'm going to send you back a link. And when you click the link, it'll ask you for your address and it will generate an email. And if you have Twitter, a tweet to your state representative saying, kill house bill 757, do not allow the Democrats to change the rules in the middle of the game. House Bill 757, it comes up for a vote this afternoon. you got to mobilize now. you got to do it now. They need to see these emails. They'll take a lunch break at noon, and this afternoon they're going to have the special meeting. They're rushing it. The speaker is trying to do it before you guys pay attention. Uh, I now have a statewide radio program. You can hear me all the way down 75 from Chattanooga to Lakeland, Florida. You can hear me all the way down 16 from Macon all the way down to Savannah now. You can hear me all over the state of Georgia we have never done this before on this program. It is now time for conservatives to mobilize and stop the Democrats in Georgia from trying to steal the election. So call your friends. Tell them to do the same thing. Build this conservative army list. We will take action, and we will make sure the entire House of Representatives hears from us today. But you've got to text the word army right now to 33777. Text the A-R-M-Y. Yeah, the number to text is 33777, and the word to text is army. You do that... And I will text you back in just a little bit. I'm not going to do it immediately because I'm talking right now and my producer would get very mad at me if I stopped to send you a text message. But I will send you a text message here in a little bit with a link. You'll click the link, put in your address, and you'll get an email generated and a tweet if you have Twitter generated to your state representative saying kill House Bill 757. I may even turn on the telephone option, and so if you push the telephone button, you'll immediately be connected to your state representative so you can yell at him on the phone for letting the Speaker steal the election for the Democrats. Now, this is a larger issue. Let me move away from from the actual Doug Collins, Kelly Loeffler situation to the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House wants to exert his power. And he's doing a couple of things here in Georgia. One is he's killing uh, adoption reform in the state. Any of you who have adopted children understand that the costs of adoption in Georgia have gone up astronomically. International adoption costs have gone up even more. The governor wants to make it easier for you to adopt and wants to make it easier to get kids out of foster care into loving families. One of the ways the governor's doing this is he's lowering the age. Uh, from You've got to be 25 if you want to adopt right now. He wants to lower it to 21, uh, and that will open a, expand the pool of people who can adopt. The governor wants to raise the tax credit from $2,000 to $6,000 uh, to make it $4,000 more affordable for you to adopt. With a federal tax credit, that, that's uh, pretty significant and the state income tax credit, uh, it will make it way more cost effective for people in Georgia to adopt. The governor also wants to create a commission that will study adoption in the state and try to find more ways to, um, to, to make it more cost effective, make it more efficient for adoptions in the state of Georgia. Now, this is necessary because we've, we've done a hodgepodge approach to adoptions. A couple of years ago, there was an adoption measure that came out with Nathan Deal as governor that uh, made, expanded some, some areas of efficiency in the state, but they've done everything very piecemeal in the state. And the reason they've done everything piecemeal in the state is because uh, they, no one has ever sat down and taken a comprehensive look at adoptions in the state of Georgia. No one's ever sat down and taken a comprehensive look at all of the laws that that are impacted. Because you got to think about it. Tax law is implicated. Health law is impacted. Family law is impacted. Um, and contract law is implicated. All, all, all sorts of laws are implicated. And the governor wants to set up this commission and they would spend this year looking at all the laws in the state that would be impacted by adoption and where they can make things more efficient. And then report back at the General Assembly next year with a comprehensive legislative package of reforms to make it more efficient, easier, faster and cheaper to adopt in Georgia. The Speaker of the House has decided to kill all of this. The reason the Speaker has decided to kill all of this is he is deeply, deeply afraid that Christian adoption agencies may get some legal protections other states have given them. The, the, the Speaker of the House is very sympathetic to the LGBTQIAATP, whatever, alphabet gang uh, lobby in the state. Uh, and that group is deeply opposed to faith-based adoption agencies operating in the state using their faith-based parameters. So, for example, a Christian adoption agency will only adopt to heterosexual married couple, uh, and the Alphabet gang believes this is discriminatory. Now, in fairness to the Alphabet gang, yes, yes, it is a Christian adoption agency saying we're only going to allow Christians to adopt who are a married, heterosexual married couple. Yep, that's true. That discriminates against a gay couple. That's true. So, what's the priority here? Is it uh, affirming gay rights or is it helping people adopt kids? Because there are several hundred adoption agencies in the state of Georgia that a gay couple can go to to adopt why should they shut down the Christian or the Muslim or the Jewish adoption agency that won't adopt to them? Why should you shut down the Jewish adoption agency that only will allow an Orthodox Jewish person to adopt through their services when you can go elsewhere? What's more important, uh, your ability to go wherever you want or a child's ability to get out of the foster care system and into a loving home? I would argue that it is way more important that we have as many adoption agencies as possible, even those who don't want to adopt outside their uh, criteria for religion, than it is to affirm the alphabet gang at this time. we got a lot of kids in foster care, and they need access. And around the country, Christian adoption agencies, particularly Catholic charities, are being attacked by the left because Catholic adoption agencies will not adopt to single single people and will not adopt to anyone who's not married uh, in a Christian family. And the Catholic charities believe they're there to serve the Lord. They believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and they believe that the best stable place to raise a child is in a two-parent heterosexual nuclear household. That is Christian. And in New England, Catholic charitable adoption agencies have virtually been wiped out because of this. Because the gay rights community has decided it is more important to affirm gay rights values than to have as many available avenues for adoption as possible. And as Catholic charities have shut down, new charity, new adoption agencies haven't started. It's just expanded the number of, of people going to a smaller number of adoption agencies. In Georgia, the fight is beginning to happen. There are municipalities in Georgia that are beginning to question whether or not they should give business licenses to faith-based adoption agencies. Uh, In progressive cities in Georgia, and there are some, uh, they want to shut down faith-based adoption agencies unless those faith-based adoption agencies surrender their values, surrender their faith-based values. And the Alphabet gang wants this done because they believe that their values are more important than the availability of, of adoption for kids. And the Speaker of the House has sided with them and, as a result, has decided to scuttle all of the governor's adoption reforms because of the potential. It's not even a, a certainty, but the potential, the potential that faith based adoption agencies may get protections under the law and now in addition to scuttling adoption reform of the state the speaker of the house of representatives has decided to join with gay rights or not with democratic activists on this and change the rules of the election the speaker of the house wants to show the governor that he's in charge But more importantly, the Speaker of the House needs to divide conservatives. The Speaker of the House is involved in a scandal involving uh, defending criminal defendants and protecting them from ever having to go to court. It is going to become a campaign issue unless the Speaker of the House can get in the good graces of the Democrats. And he gets in the good graces of the Democrats by helping the Democrats change their election He gets in the good graces of the Democrats by giving them the opportunity for a primary where they would not have one. As we head to November with the special election for Kelly Loeffler, the Democrats look like they're going to have five candidates on the ballot against one Republican named Kelly Loeffler. What the Democrats want to do is they want to stack the deck in favor of a single Democrat. The only way to stack the deck in favor of a single Democrat is to create a primary where there is no primary. There has never been a primary for a special election in Georgia. And the Democrats now want one just for this race. They just want it for this race. And the Speaker of the House is willing to give it to him. The Speaker of the House is willing to rewrite the laws in the state of Georgia to benefit the Democrats. Why would the Speaker of the House, a Republican, do this? Because there are a growing number of House members on the Republican side who are ready to get rid of the Speaker because of a scandal. And the Speaker needs to keep conservatives divided. And so if he can create a primary that causes Doug Collins to get in and challenge Kelly Leffler, you're going to have a split among conservative groups in the state. You're going to have a split among conservative activists in the state. You're going to have a split among conservative voters in the state. You're going to have a split among conservative money in the state. And that will all distract them from the Speaker. It is to the Speaker's advantage to help the Democrats. The Democrats want to change the rules in the state of Georgia. They are going to rush a meeting through this afternoon to try to make it happen. You all need to take action to stop the Democrats and the Speaker and protect the Republicans, the governor, and conservatives in the state. I will make it very easy for you. But to make it easy for you, you've got to pick up your phone right now and text the word ARMY to 33777, and I will send you a text link back to the Action Center, so you can tell your state representative: Do not let the Democrats and the Speaker steal this election. Holy moly! Uh, w- welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. So, gosh, I may go bankrupt here in in the next twenty minutes. <laughs> uh, we, we've got about seven thousand seven. Well, it's not about. It actually is seven thousand seven hundred forty-one of you. Uh, are on this action alert list now we, we've had in just the last 20 minutes we've had over 200 more people uh, sign up for this conservative army and and so everybody in at ten forty five this morning you're going to get a text message and it's going to be from me it's not going to be from my cell phone number though you can't have my cell phone number uh, and you're going to be able to click the link and generate an email. If you have Twitter or tweet, you'll also be able to generate a phone call to your state representative. You'll be able to call straight to their office. You click the little phone icon, and you'll hear my voice. Say, I'm going to connect you to your state representative, put in your zip code so I get you to the right person, and boom, uh, away you will go to your state representative and tell them to kill House Bill 757. Uh, it, it is an effort to change the rules in the middle of the game, and they don't need to do it. And we got to do that this morning because they're meeting after lunch this afternoon to try to rush this through. The governor's going to veto it, by the way, but you need to put the fear of God in your state representative Make sure your state representative knows you're a constituent, and there will be hell to pay if they try to change the rules to hurt conservatives, which is what they're going to do. And I feel bad for Doug Collins. He's caught in the middle of this. He's kind of a a pawn of the Speaker and the Democrats here, which is sad. He's a smart guy. I I really like the guy. I have him on this program all the time, and I'll continue to have him on. Uh, And I'm not going to say a bad word about him because he's a fine guy, but, man, he should not be going down this road. Uh, if he wants to challenge Leffler, do it in 2022. Don't do it right now while the Democrats are in disarray in the state of Georgia. Now, I'm also, by the way, willing to take your phone calls here. Uh, I won't bite. Uh, you can call in 877-97-ERIC, 877 877- we do need to get into an impeachment update, and we also need to review the state of play of the Democratic Party. But I got to go back to something I mentioned at the end of the last hour. For over a month now, we have been hearing that Nancy Pelosi is a strategic genius. She dragged out the articles of impeachment, and somehow she was a strategic genius for doing that. And what did it do? It it gave the Republicans a new talking point that if this really was that big a deal, if it was, if the president is a threat to national security, why did the Democrats sit on the articles of impeachment for a month? And it gave a a great talking point to the, um, it it gave a great talking point to the Republicans as, as well, that Nancy Pelosi was dragging this out to interfere with the Iowa caucuses to help. Joe Biden, by taking the progressives off the campaign trail, by making Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders sit in the United States Senate, they couldn't be on the campaign trail in Iowa, and that would help Joe Biden. Well, guess what? Turns out that the job approval for the president of the United States is the highest it has ever been since the day he took office, according to Gallup, which has uh, does historically accurate monitoring of the job approval rating. But also in the polling averages, forget the individual poll in the polling average, Joe uh, Donald Trump's. Job approval is now the highest it has ever been. At the same time, Bernie Sanders is running away with it in Iowa. I thought Nancy Pelosi was a strategic genius. The media told us that Nancy Pelosi was a strategic genius. And yet that's not what's happening here, folks. And it looks like Nancy Pelosi has probably helped Bernie Sanders. And the Democrats are starting to freak out that Bernie Sanders just might pull this off. And we should examine the implications of Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump because he has skyrocketed in the polling. And I got some thoughts I'll share. We'll take your calls as well. 877-97-ERIC. All right. uh, One more time. Don't want to be a broken record. We got plenty of stuff to talk about. We'll take your phone calls. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. In about 10 minutes. You're gonna get a text message from me. And the text message is going to encourage you to click a link, to email and call, and tweet if you have it, your state representative, to oppose House Bill 757. Uh, now, this is happening right now. The Speaker of the House, uh David Ralston, has gaveled in the session this morning, and Doug Collins was the designated uh leader of prayer which is a very explicitly an endorsement of Doug Collins by the Speaker of the House, who is challenging Brian Kemp for power in the state. Uh, the, listen, I like Doug Collins a lot. I have him on this program, but I think this is a mistake, and he's being used by the Speaker. Why would you want to align yourself with someone as scandal-plagued as the Speaker uh, a speaker who has been openly hostile to conservatives in the state of Georgia. I don't think that's smart on Doug Collins's part. I think he's making a mistake. And I think we need to kill House Bill 757. So if you haven't, the text message is away in in less than 10 minutes now. You need to text the word ARMY to 33777. When you get the link, share it with your friends. Have them call as well. You need to kill this bill, uh, House Bill 757 in the Georgia legislature. It is designed by House Democrats to steal the election. You know, the, the, the most galling part about this, Bob Trammell, is the leader of the Democrats in the state house. And he actually has been very open about this. He gave a huge interview to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that they were going to work with the Speaker of the House to do this very thing. They were going to work with the Speaker of the House to undermine the governor. They were going to work with the Speaker of the House to undermine the governor's ability to unite conservatives in the state. And the Speaker went along with it. And it's appalling that Doug would go along with this when the, the Democrats have been very, very open about the fact they intend to do this. That's just, it, it's, it's a shame. It is. It really is a shame. I hate to see it happen, and yet here we are. So now, can we talk about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump? Can we move along from state stuff? Um, Bernie Sanders is now skyrocketing in the poll. You know You know what? Actually, actually I, don't, I don't want to talk about Bernie Sanders yet. I'm going to wait for Bernie Sanders. I want to get the John Bolton stuff out of the way. And you need to know this, and I need to give you some full disclosure here. John Bolton and I share a literary agent, uh, Javelin, Javelin Group. In fact, I've got a book I'm I'm rushing to surprise them with now, and, and they'll be my literary agent for it. Uh, it. Javelin Group, they represent a lot of conservatives in D.C., but not just conservatives. They represent some Democrats as well, a great group of people. Uh, Keith Urban used to be the chief of staff to Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, that's how I got to know him. He started this literary group. He's great and keith is adamant that this leak did not come from them and i trust him and bolton is adamant this leak did not come from them and i trust bolton and the publisher is adamant it did not come from them and i don't know the pollster i don't know the publisher but i i would be willing to bet it didn't come from them here is why i'm willing to bet that john bolton is not the source of the leak have you actually seen the leak do you know what's actually in the leak Have you seen the actual words that John Bolton put on the page? You haven't. Neither have I. None of us have seen the actual leak. None of us have seen the actual text. Isn't that striking to you? Isn't that, I mean, that should be a big deal. We haven't seen the actual link. We haven't seen the actual text. We haven't seen the actual words. We haven't seen the actual transcript. We haven't seen the actual manuscript. We haven't seen the direct quotes. If. John Bolton's team leaked this, we would not have a synopsis of what he allegedly said. We would have the actual words, or we would have some semblance of the actual words, not what we have. What we have right now is someone characterizing what John Bolton said. That is different from a summation of what he said. That is different from the actual words that he used. It is a third party who read it, and that person is conveying their sense of what John Bolton said. That's not a leak from John Bolton. That's a leak from the National Security Council that's vetting John Bolton's book. And what do we know about that setup? What we know is that there are still people embedded within the national security apparatus of the White House and the intelligence community who are out to undermine the president. The whistleblower still there. Alexander Vindman still there. All these other people are still there. And I don't know who the leaker is. I have no idea. Uh, now, there is a story circulating. You do need to know this. There is a story circulating that Alexander Vindman, remember, he's the colonel or lieutenant who testified against the president. Um, the, there, There is a story out that his brother is the person who vets the books for the National Security Council. That is false. You do need to understand this. If truth matters and truth matters, then we don't need to be spreading lies. And that is a, I have confirmed myself with the White House itself, with the National Security Council itself, uh, that neither Vindman nor his brother play any role whatsoever in uh, approving stuff like this. And most likely would not have seen it, which means it's someone else we don't know. Maybe it's the person who wrote the anonymous New York Times op-ed against the president. I don't know. But clearly there are people inside the White House and the national security apparatus of this country still working very hard, very tirelessly to undermine the president of the United States. We don't need to blame John Bolton. You, you, let me, I want to play play. Part of this, this clown show from Lou Dobbs, it's, it's offensive to me, and, and I want you to listen to this. Uh,
1: an administration source telling Fox today, Gunny denies that he was part of the team that vetted Bolton's manuscript. Bolton's super PACs, by the way, we should point out, have more than $2 million in cash on hand. His major donors are Romney supporters and, well, many of them never Trumpers. The top three donors, Robert Mercer, Richard Uline, Warren Stevens spent millions supporting Romney in 2012 and opposing Trump in 2016. See how it works? You bet. Not so complicated, is it? John Bolton himself has been reduced to a tool for the radical dims in the deep state with his, well, his uh, allegation that the president once told him that uh, the, uh, the aid to the uh, to the Ukraine was entirely dependent on whether or not uh, mister Zelensky carried out investigations of his political opponents Bolton's book agency javelin uh, has uh, published books by disgruntled current and former government officials such as well former fired FBI director James Comey the anonymous Trump administration official who wrote the book a warning and Cliff Sims a former White House staffer who the president said broke a non-disclosure agreement to write a book bashing the white house do you see the pattern here uh, with mr bolton and javelin uh, partners bragged to the new york times about their approach quote we've met with or talked to probably every major official you would know who has departed or is thinking of departing the trump white house now those are active literary agents there by golly
0: y'all javelin has published books by Fox News' Tucker Carlson. They've helped publish books by Trump supporters. Curious Lou Dobbs would leave all of those people out. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't add me to the, the list. And by the way, uh, Richard Uline uh, is actually a friend of mine, Dick Uline, and he spent a lot of money defending the President of the United States. He spent a lot of money propping up super PACs to help the President in 2020. This is This is my chief frustration with the present age. The number of people whose character must be assassinated because you no longer agree with them. The number of people whose character must be assassinated after years of defending them. The number of people you must be clown yourself to attack someone because you think they're undermining the president. Y'all, we don't know what John Bolton actually said. We don't actually have the transcript. We don't have the manuscript. And that's a pretty big freaking clue that John Bolton is not the source of the stuff, that it's someone from the National Security Council. And if it's someone from the National Security Council, they've mischaracterized so much of the president of the past. Remember mischaracterizing the president's conversations with various foreign leaders? That was from embedded careerists within the national security apparatus inside the White House. How do we know that they accurately characterized Bolton's story, and yet we're going to Pile on John Bolton, a man we've all considered a patriot, a man who is a patriot, a man who has been a conservative hero for a decade or more, two decades, since George W. Bush. John Bolton, I've gone to CPAC before and seen the kids following him around demanding his autograph. Uh, He's been treated like a rock star by conservatives for years, but oh my gosh, he might have said something critical of the president. Kill him! Kill him! Assassinate his character with a, a, a clown show conspiracy theory. Oh, John Bolton was been supported by these people who supported Mitt Romney, who we're not going to tell you support Donald Trump right now, and by a book publisher who, who published books by anti-Trump people, and we're not going to tell you Tucker Carlson as well. We're going to leave out key details so you think they're all out to get the precious. This is Gollum-esque by Lou Dobbs kind of ridiculous and i'm sorry it embarrasses my 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 sense of intellectual honesty to see a bunch of conservatives pile on a guy that they loved up until five seconds ago because they think he might say something critical of the president i still think it's a trap by the way i still think john bolton is trying to set up the democrats i i absolutely do notice that whoever leaked this is not willing to give you john bolton's exact words why Because I bet John Bolton's exact words are not nearly as incendiary as what the New York Times leak would have you believe. Notice that John Bolton has refused to comply with requests to testify or speak publicly. Why? Because he's honoring the wishes of the president. John Bolton doesn't have to honor the president's executive privilege request. He doesn't have to do that. John Bolton can go out if he wants And say whatever he wants, and he's not. John Bolton submitted his book to the National Security Council for vetting. He didn't just run out there and publish it. Now, arguably, he could have gotten in legal trouble had he done it, let's be fair. But he could have done it. And he could show up in Congress tomorrow and say whatever he wants to say, and there's nothing the president can do to stop him. And he would have protection from Congress. He would have legal immunity. The president could not go after him for violating executive privilege if he testified in the impeachment trial. And he's not doing that. John Bolton wants the Democrats to force him to come. And if John Bolton went, I do not believe that John Bolton would sabotage this presidency. Why? John Bolton was the architect of of convincing the president to get out of the Iran deal. John Bolton was on the outside, deeply persuasive in the president, moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. John Bolton was deeply persuasive in getting the president to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord. He wasn't even national security advisor at the time. John Bolton was deeply persuasive in getting the president to kill Soleimani. It was John Bolton's freaking idea to go kill Soleimani. It was John Bolton's idea to restructure the, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which this White House is doing. It was John Bolton's idea to, to bolster forces in Saudi Arabia and help Saudi Arabia against Iran. It was John Bolton's idea to try to, to reforge tight alliances with Australia in the South Pacific against China. It was John Bolton's idea for the president to speak up and say something nice about the Hong Kong protesters. The only difference of opinion John Bolton has had with this White House is over Syria. That's it. Everything else John Bolton and this president have largely seen eye to eye on, and John Bolton has got the overwhelming number of his his policies implemented. And the coup de grace for for John Bolton is that the president finally killed Soleimani, something that Bolton has wanted for six months and has openly advocated for for six months. To think that that man is going to throw this president under the bus is like the Democrats thinking Bob Mueller was going to provide them a silver bullet to take out the president. It is resistance fan fiction and it's striking to see these people treating john bolton as a hero where for years they treated him like garbage because he was a conservative he's not a neocon warmonger contrary to label are throwing around john bolton is a loyal american patriot who served his country and puts his country's vital interests ahead of everything else and that my friends is exactly why he's not going to throw this president under the bus That, my friends, is why John Bolton wants to be the hero. John Bolton wants the Democrats to get that subpoena. He wants Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Pat Toomey and Cory Gardner to call him. He wants to be on the floor of the Senate, and he wants the president there watching on TV live as CNN and MSNBC salivate that, by God, this is the moment the Trump White House comes crashing down, and then John Bolton saves it for the president. And watch his liberal heads explode. And Lou Dobbs suddenly pretends he never did that stupid monologue last night. And John Bolton is a Machiavellian hero who played everyone perfectly to save the Trump White House and the Trump legacy. I think it's a trap. I think John Bolton knows exactly what he's doing. He's way smarter than pretty much any member of Congress. He wants to be the hero. And this is a way to do it. Sabotage the Democrats' impeachment effort watch it happen if they call him as a witness. And by the way, I actually think this is why deep down the Democrats don't actually want him to be a witness. They just want to use his lack of testifying against the Republicans. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven eric eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. 973 7425 Check your text messages. You should have just gotten a text message from me a few minutes ago. If you're on the Army Activist List, um, I will set it up here momentarily so you don't have to go. You, you can do it directly without that text message system. Um, but uh, we've got, got already... Uh, 347 of you out of the 7,147 people I sent it to, 347 of you have already begun making your phone calls and emails. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is good. Uh, Samuel and Melissa, uh, you're the latest out there to engage in this. So, thank you very much for doing that, making sure that your state representatives are heard, and that they know to kill House Bill 757. Um, uh, James just did it in David as well. Now we got to move on to other stuff. I, I've made my case on, uh, John Bolton, it, true news. Uh, this is something the white house has done that is bad. Uh, n- never say I'm, I'm opposed to criticizing this white house because I am. And this is one thing they've done that is bad. The white house has given press credentials to an outfit called true news. True news is a deeply anti-semitic website the people on True News actually refer to Israel as the synagogue of Satan and believe that much of our foreign policy is done uh, with the Jews pulling strings. And... They actually believe this. They actually believe that Israel is, is a synagogue of Satan. That is an actual phrase used on that network. This network also believes or has people on air to advocate that uh, Queen Elizabeth II is actually a lizard person. I, I wish I was making that up. Uh, there is actually a, a lizard person. Elizabeth uh, Queen Elizabeth II is a lizard person who murdered Princess Diana. That is another view that is aired on this network. It is a network of crazy people. It is a network of people who hate Jews. It is a network of people who have uh, made preposterous theories about uh, shootings and otherwise all being done uh, to placate Jews or being done by Jews and false flags and nonsense like that. And the White House gave this group press credentials. I don't know who in the White House did that, but it needs to be undone. I don't know who in the White House thought it was a good idea. But the White House needs to walk this back. The White House should not be opening themselves up to these sorts of attacks. I mean, this was an easy thing to avoid. This was an easy thing for the White House to not do. And I don't know who in the White House did it, but it's given them a press headline they did not need. And it's it's given them something that what a waste of time. What a waste of White House resources. What a waste of of needing to defend an organization that actually advocated for the idea that Queen Elizabeth II is a lizard person. Why would you do that? Who in the White House does this sort of stuff? And I raise this because it, it it, it is a relevant and big issue in this regard. The president of the United States of America has a white house press shop that needs to be on its A game at all time because he has so many people out to get him. And when they are distracted by nonsense like giving press credentials to an organization that believes Israel is the synagogue of Satan. We 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 I mean you've and I realize you you've given press credentials to groups like MSNBC and others but still even MSNBC has not Push the idea that Queen Elizabeth II is a lizard person who murdered Princess Diana. This isn't good, and they need to undo this. And And I'm hoping—well, I know there are people who listen, and I'm hoping that they will convey this message and, and tell the president he needs to do otherwise. Okay, we need to move on. Uh, We we need to get out of Georgia politics, although there actually is a story I I do need to spend time on. The uh, Georgia Department of Natural Resources thought they had a whole lot of money, and they started making a whole lot of grants to organizations for wildlife and wilderness and conservation, and it turns out they didn't have the money they thought they had when they made the grants. Yeah, stick around for that. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Well, you know, the the flexibility of this program, we can shake things up. Um, uh, <laughs> we got to deviate from all the stuff I wanted. If you went to the resurgent.com, you saw kind of my outline of the stuff I wanted to talk about. And I told you when we left the last hour coming into this hour, I wanted to talk about this uh, Department of Natural Resources story out of Georgia uh, before getting into the Sanders versus Trump stuff. But we got to turn all of that on its head and do something else. The first thing you need to know is, listen, if you if you miss the text message from me, but you still want to call your state representative and tell them to kill House Bill 757. House Bill 757 is the legislation that would uh, rewrite the election rules to help the Democrats while the election is happening. Uh, they're they're working with the Speaker of the House. I'm going to make it real easy for you right now. You don't have to be on the Army list. Here's what you do. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. That's my name. I'm going to teach you how to spell it right so you can call into the program. The phone number of the program is 877-97-ERIC eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. And Eric is E R I C K. But if you get on your cell phone right now and the number to text is five, two, eight, eight, six, text, the word Eric E R I C K to five, two, eight, eight, six, do it right now. And that will send you back the link as well so that you can go straight to the action center. It's too late to now subscribe to the army list today. You should have already subscribed to the army list. Now, if you want immediate action on this issue to stop the Democrats and the Speaker of the House of Georgia from stealing the election from Brian Kim and Kelly Leffler, you need to text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to the number 52886. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 52886, uh, and you will be connected into my Action Center at The Resurgent to text your state representatives Now. I got to shake up the show because John Ossoff has come out in favor of cancel culture. Little millennial that he is, John Ossoff believes that if you're a Trump supporter, you need to never be able to show your face again in the state of Georgia. I'm not kidding. I've got the audio right here happening right now on The Eric Erickson Show. This is John Ossoff. I got the video.
2: We need to send a message this year. the message that if you indulge this kind of politics, you're not just going to get beaten. You're going to get beaten so bad, you can never run or show your face again in public. Because we have had enough, absolutely enough, of what we are getting from Donald Trump and his fellow travelers right
0: now. We're going to make sure you never show your face again. Never run for office again. What One more time. One more time.
2: We need to send a message this year. We need to send a message that if you indulge this kind of politics, you're not just going to get beaten. You're going to get beaten so bad you can never run or show your face again in public. Because we have had enough, absolutely enough, of what we are getting from Donald Trump and his fellow travelers right now. Oh,
0: so we're going to engage in... Cancel culture, John. Uh, I would have thought that he would have never wanted to show his face in public again after wasting 30 million dollars of Hollywood money to lose to Karen Handel. But apparently he's back and he's raising money. You know, what's so interesting here? This is the interesting tell in this race for the Democrats here in Georgia. And by the way, this relates to the other situation. Gosh, I I really am a one topic show today and I I don't intend to be. uh, But but let me let me tie these two stories together. The Democrats in the state house, if you're just tuning in here, the Democrats in the state house are working with the Speaker of the House, who is purportedly a Republican. They want to change the rules of the 2020 election uh, to create a primary for Kelly Loeffler. Uh, they don't they think they can beat Doug Collins, and they also think that uh, they need to rally around a single person. The Democrats don't want to have five Democrats versus Kelly Loeffler in November. They want to create a primary, so it's one Democrat versus Loeffler or Collins. And if they do that, there will also be one Democrat against David Perdue because the, those Democrats will have a, a primary since it's not a special election. And right now it's Sarah Riggs Amico, John Ossoff, and Teresa Tomlinson. Ted Terry, the mayor of Clarkson, Georgia, was in the race and dropped out of the race. So you got Ossoff, uh, you got Tomlinson, you got uh, Sarah Riggs running for the race for David Perdue, and now the Democrats are worried they're going to have five or six Democrats running against uh, Kelly Loeffler if they can create a primary, if they can change the rules. And remember, the special election is ongoing right now. Uh, The the race has already begun for the special election, and so the Democrats want to change the rules in the middle of the game, and the Speaker of the House is helping them because the Speaker of the House wants to rebuke Brian Kemp. He wants to divide conservatives. He wants to split the conservative base in Georgia uh, because he knows that makes him more powerful if conservatives are divided. And so the Speaker of the House is helping the Democrats rewrite the rules. That's why you need to text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 52886 and tell your state rep to kill the legislation that would change the rules. But the Democrats have a problem in the Purdue race. They don't want John Ossoff. And Ossoff is raising money hand over fist. See, Ossoff, he's a telegenic guy the Hollywood establishment loves. He was in the filmmaking documentary business. He's got connections. He worked for John Lewis. He worked for Hank Johnson. He, he's they, they want a fresh young face. The Democrats are all a bunch of geriatrics. They would like a fresh young face. He's from Metro Atlanta. There's a problem though. In Georgia, John Ossoff is not thought of very highly. The reason Ossoff isn't thought of very highly, a couple reasons. One, he literally did spend $30 million and lost a special election. And that was $30 million that could have gone to other races. But it's more than that. John Ossoff lost the race and fled the scene of the crime, so to speak. John Ossoff left the state. He did not stay involved in Georgia politics. He did not continue to build out a base. He did not work to grow the political establishment for the Democrats. He did not work to grow the bench in the state. He left the state, washed his hands of it, went away, never to be seen again. Until he decided he wanted to run for the Senate, and then he comes back. He stays under the radar. He, he, he doesn't help Stacey Abrams. He's not on the campaign trail aggressively for Stacey Abrams. He's not out there raising money for Stacey Abrams. He's not giving a lot of money from his war chest. The, the, he had money left over. He spent $30 million and had money left over. And Did he give it to the state Democratic Party, Georgia? No, he did not. He's all about it for himself. Selfish candidate. And that burned bridges with Democrats in the state. And so between the candidates, it actually is notable that uh, John Ossoff, he's got Hank Johnson and he's got uh, John Lewis, both of whom he worked for. But it's Teresa Tomlinson who is racking up all the inside state endorsements She's perceived as being uh, more mainstream. She's perceived as being more engaged. She's perceived as being more uh, open to the business community, which uh, Democrats in the state of Georgia believe they need. She is perceived as being a better candidate overall with with depth outside of Atlanta. Uh, John Ossoff, by the the Democrats perceive him as being an Atlanta-centric candidate who's not going to be able to win outside the Atlanta area. They perceive him as someone essentially whose boots have no scuff. Now, what does that mean, uh, Rick? Rick Perry actually. Uh, Rick Perry is a good friend of mine, uh, and Rick Perry pointed it out one time in Texas that there was a, a candidate who will go nameless, not Beto O'Rourke. A candidate who will go nameless, and is actually a Republican candidate. And he said, "Here's the problem for this Republican candidate: his boots have are all shine and no scuff." I think that's how he said it. His boots are all shine and no scuff. And what does that mean? Well, if you're, if you're a regular boot wearer, if you're a regular wearer of shoes in general, your shoes are going to get scuffed up if you're a hard worker. Uh, if you're running around and you're wearing boots to look like you're some country fella who can connect with people outside of cities and your boots are really shiny and they've got no scuff on them, well, then they know immediately you're a poser. They know immediately you're not authentically a boot wearer. And John Ossoff, his boots are all shine and no scuff. He comes into the state and and makes himself look like, oh shucks, I'm John Ossoff from Decab Decab County. Um, no, no, buddy, you're you're John Ossoff from Decab County. You, you you don't you you ain't from around here, is you, fella? <laughs> he's he's not gonna play well outside of the the metro Atlanta area. He's gonna go down to South Georgia and he's gonna go to Cordele and call it Cordalay. You know I I I have I've told the story before when I worked for Saxby Chambliss in 94 I was a volunteer, not on the payroll. I was just a, I was a constituent coordinator. They didn't have a ton of money. They were running against oh what was that guy's name? Craig Mathis in 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 1994 and Saxby uh, had a fundraiser. The district was the 8th Congressional District ran from Macon all the way down uh to the Florida line covered Moultrie, where Saxby was from, and he got a fundraiser named Nancy to come down. She was from Chicago, and the, the guy who was going to introduce Saxby at a small event in Cordille uh, got sick and couldn't do it, and Nancy got on stage and told everyone how excited the future congressman was to be in Coeur d'Alene. D'Ale. Supposed to cordial. You know, John Ossoff, he's going to get south of I-20, and he's going to go to Houston County instead of Halston County. He's going to go to Vienna instead of Vienna. He's not going to know where he is when he gets to Unadilla, uh, and he's going to go to Cairo instead of Cairo. He, <laughs> he, I mean, he, listen. I, I, I so I, the next station that I want to be on in Georgia is—dare uh, I say it? My wife is not here, so I can—is Albany uh I am I'm 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 trying to continue to grow this this show and get it in as many markets in the state of Georgia as possible and uh Columbus, Albany, Carrollton, Savannah, uh Augusta, those are all markets I want to get into. And my wife is appalled because I am from Louis I'm from South Louisiana and I grew up in Dubai and she tells me all the time if you want to be in Albany you got to say Albany, Albany, Albany. And, and so my buddy Chris Burns, who fills in for me here, uh, my financial advisor, uh, he also ridicules me because he can say, all oh, Benny. Uh, I'm, y'all, it, it's Albany. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, I am not. I apologize to those of you in Albany. If this keeps me off your radio market, because I'm not going to say Albany, wh- whatever, I, I will I will have my wife do the voiceover. And so every time I want to say welcome to the people in, I'll push the button and she'll pronounce the name right. But I can do Cairo instead of Cairo. I can do Vienna instead of Vienna. And I can do Houston instead of Houston. And all the other, other little, like Talia Farrow is actually Tollifer. I learned that one years ago when I was working a congressional race. Now, of course, you come with me to Louisiana and you will encounter the Achafalaya Basin and and Chapitulus. And uh, you will encounter all of these great words that you can't pronounce unless you're from South Louisiana. Uh, (laughs) But man, Vienna and Vienna, Houston and Houston, Cairo and Cairo, and and Pecan and Pecan. You know, I asked Brian Kemp one time, what's the difference between pecan and pecan? And it's about $15 a pound. That was his answer. But still... John Ossoff is going to have these problems. It is fine for John Ossoff in the metro Atlanta area among a bunch of Democrats to say, we are going to shut these Republicans down and they're never going to be able to win again. Again, here, John Ossoff, in his own words, this is on video. Uh, I just put it on social media. You can go to my Twitter feed at EW Erickson, see it for yourself. This is John Ossoff, the would be Senate candidate.
2: We need to send a message this year. The a message that if you indulge this kind of politics, you're not just going to get beat. You're going to get beaten so bad. You can never run or show your face again in public because we have had enough, absolutely enough of what we are getting from Donald Trump and his fellow travelers. Right-
0: you're going to get beat so badly. You can never show your face again. How's that going to play in Houston County or Bibb County or Thomas County or Macon County? Or Lowndes County? How's how's that going to play in Douglas County or Carroll County? How's it going to play in Coweta County? How's it going to play in Habersham or Floyd? It may play well in downtown Atlanta. It may play well in Decatur. It may play well in, in, in Athens. But is that rhetoric really going to play well outside of the metro Atlanta or, or the academic core of Athens? I don't think it is. You know, the rule of the game here, the 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 strategy here is to win the general election, not to win the primary. And you never want to say or do anything to win a primary that costs you the general election. And John Ossoff, with that video, if he's the Democratic nominee, you can be sure that David Perdue and the Republicans are going to have that everywhere. That John Ossoff wants to make sure you can never show your face in public again. And do you really think he's going to win that message outside of the Metro Atlanta core, even in the suburbs, they're not going to like that message. Reminder right now, if you want to participate in the action alert, uh, tell your state representative to not work with the Democrats to change the rules of the election now that the special election has begun. Uh, You need to text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 52886. Uh, Text ERIC to 52886, uh, and you can get into the action center right now. Uh, I will tell you, if you are listening uh, down in Quitman, Valdosta, Adele, yeah, that, that's another one. Uh, the Adel area, speaking of, of, of pronunciations here, as opposed to I heard had had somebody refer to it to me as Adele. Heard you were on the radio in Adele. I was like, you mean Adel? Um Adel Outfitters. I need to go down there. What a heck of a place. I love that place. Um, if you've never been to Adel Outfitters, dr- drive down the interstate down there. It, it is worth it. Uh, It's a great place, fantastic gun selection. But I I bring it up because if you're in the Lowndes County area, uh, you're in Quitman, Adele, our affiliates down there, not a lot of you engaged right now on this issue, and you need to be because it's going to be some of these South Georgia Republicans uh, who are going to make the difference with the Speaker of the House. So if you're down there, uh, make sure you and your friends text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 52886 And tell the Georgia Republicans in the state legislature not to change the rules of the election with the Democrats, because that is what the Democrats want you guys to do. And it's bad, 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 bad. Don't let them do it. Okay, we got to move on to other stuff, don't we? Uh, Let's get into some of the impeachment update. And, well, things are not going swimmingly for the Democrats still. There is some movement to bring in witnesses. But I have to tell you, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Here's Phil Mattingly on CNN.
2: Yeah, Chris, at the end of Alan Dershowitz's presentation, more than a dozen Republican senators walked up to him to shake his hand, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who you can hear say, wonderful, to Dershowitz. Let me explain why that's important. The Senate GOP conference right now is in a different place than they were this morning. I'm told that they were very unsettled by the Bolton revelations the New York Times broke last night. As Carl mentioned, Senate Majority Leader McConnell had not been looped in on the manuscript before it was reported by the New York Times. His office even put out a one-sentence statement saying he had no advanced knowledge, a rather terse statement that I think was pointed for a reason, and here's why. I'm told behind the scenes several Republican senators made calls to the White House out of frustration, saying, look, we need to know about these things if you know about them advance. We're on the front lines here, and we feel like we were left out of the loop. Chris, there was a closed-door lunch before the Senate gabbled into session today where several Republican uh, members voiced their concerns about where things were headed. They were so unsettled, in fact, that one Senate Republican, Pat Toomey, raised an idea that's been pinging around the Republican conference for the last couple of weeks. Basically, if we're going to get to the point where witnesses are going to be pursued, we need to do a one-to-one exchange. One Republican witness for one Democratic witness. But here's the reality. McConnell and top Republicans still do not want witnesses and still believe they can defeat that vote that will happen after the White House presentation and Senator questions. What McConnell told senators in that closed door meeting, I'm told, was this, take a deep breath. Wait for the presentations, hear the White House out, and wait for your uh, senator questions before you make any definitive statements on next steps. The reality is two Republican senators, Mitt Romney and Susan Collins, made clear today they are closer than they've ever been to voting to pursue witnesses. But Republicans can afford to lose three. As of now, that third and fourth is not quite apparent. The expectation is Lisa Murkowski is probably likely in that camp, but the fourth senator or fifth or sixth has still not been identified. That's what Senate Democrats are pushing for. That was what their hope the Bolton revelations would produce. But at this point in time, there has been no breakout of Republican senators.
0: There haven't been. Um, And I got to tell you that the pushback from the GOP, Senator Barrasso and others pointing out that You know, Bolton, this revelation from The New York Times about John Bolton, it really doesn't add anything. Uh, Nothing has actually changed. They knew what John Bolton felt. And the position of a number of these Republican senators is that the Democrats could have called Bolton in the House and chose not to. And they rushed it through. And now they're using the lack of witnesses against the Senate and that it would be bad precedent for the Senate to cave to the Democrats on this issue and embolden this in the future with future Senates where the House doesn't do a thorough impeachment job and then weaponizes their lack of, of thorough impeachment to go after the Senate. And they're they're concerned about that. And I think they should be concerned about that. It actually is a big issue uh, that they need to take seriously here more on this and bernie sanders versus donald trump is that a reality when we come back <clears throat> welcome back it is eric erickson here the phone number if you want to be a part of the program i i really do take your phone calls 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425 well, called and left the voicemail didn't didn't actually come on air and uh, said the actual difference, you know, I, I mentioned Governor Kemp has told me before the difference between a, a pecan and a pecan is, is $15 a pound. Uh, I have said very much what Wyatt left in voicemail. I tell my wife all the time. I'm from South Louisiana where we said pecan. Uh, we did not say pecan. In South Georgia, they say pecan. Uh, we saw her a pecan is something you flush. Um, <laughs> Wyatt says it's something you'd take on a road trip so you don't have to stop to use the bathroom. Uh, same same difference. But those, those of you in our affiliate south of I-20, Calm down. <laughs> All right. Uh, 877-97, 877 I want to play for you this audio of Mike Bloomberg and his crowd and listen to the reaction of the Democrats uh, who are, um, well, they're cheering on Bloomberg. Oh, Wow. Uh, I can't play for you this audio because it is it is it's off channel, which means that um, let me see if I can actually get in here and and play for you. So occasionally audio is recorded by TV stations that we get. And this is this is very inside the weeds, but I, it is worth explaining to you um, <clears throat> where it's played on a different channel. Meaning that I can see that there's an audio wave file, uh, but when you play it, it's actually, it's not played on the left channel or the right channel. It's playing on a center channel uh, that a no radio broadcast booth actually has. So you got to go scramble around and find some other way to deal with it, which is a dumb thing to do. In any event, the, the point of this, whether we could play the audio file or not, is Mike Bloomberg and his acolytes at a rally. And they're cheering on shutting down coal plants in the United States. Yeah, okay. I may be able to play this audio for you because it is worth hearing the reaction to the crowd if we can. Nope, we're not going to be able to process this for you. Sorry. Um, So Bloomberg and his crowd are cheering on closing coal-powered plants. And this is becoming a real concern for the Democrats in Ohio and Pennsylvania because Ohio is a swing leans Republican, but is a swing state. And Pennsylvania obviously is a big swing state. and they're cheering on closing down coal power plants, which will put people out of jobs. And it is something Bernie Sanders is doing as well and Elizabeth Warren is doing. It is something, interestingly enough, Joe Biden did for a little while and then backed away from. And the reason Biden backed away from it is it turns out that blue-collar voters, when they hear you cheering that they're going to be out of a job, tend not to vote for you. Surprise! I, I, I know. I, I, I mean, who, who, who would have thought? But there you have it. Uh, blue-collar voters don't want to cheer you on when you're out to get them and out to shut down their jobs and out to take their jobs away and yet that's what they're doing and that's going to mean that a a, a Bernie Sanders versus versus um, Donald Trump race is going to be an interesting thing to see. And it may happen. I I still think the advantages to Joe Biden, I think the advantages to Joe Biden, because believe it or not, the average Democratic voter is not as far left as a lot of the political activists out there. Uh, The average Democratic voter out there is, um, well, he is more moderate Then you're a Democratic activist. He's he's not as woke as John Ossoff, among other things. And they want to beat Donald Trump badly, but they don't want to go hard left. So, yes, Bernie Sanders has gone up in the polling in Iowa. But I got to tell you, polling in Iowa isn't a very good thing. Do you all understand what the caucuses are? Uh, let, let me let me explain the caucus to you and why polling isn't very good for caucuses. Now, you can actually poll people and just ask, have you been to a caucus before? And you, you may get a, a, an OK representation. The problem is not everybody stays that long. So so what, what's the what's what's the deal here? Well, let's 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 break this down for you. How do you vote? If you're listening to me, the odds are you are in a state that doesn't have caucuses. You're probably in Georgia if you're listening to me. And what do you do on a primary? In a primary, you go to your local, you go to your local um, voter location, your local precinct. Mine is, if you're familiar with the Macon area, uh, I am off of Bass Road, and so I go to to Mabel White Baptist Church, which is now, I guess, they changed the name to Turning Point or some such, right off of Bass Road in Macon, Georgia, right off the interstate there, exit 172. And you go in there. You fill out the little form. What are they? There's the blue form and there's the pink form, I think, or the blue form, white form. I can't remember. But you you, you fill out the form and you want the Republican ballot or the Democratic ballot. So you say, I would say, I want the Republican ballot. So I fill out the little form. I put my name. I put my address. I sign my name. I bring my photo ID. I, I hand it to them. And then they give me the little card to stick in the machine. And it's programmed to only pull up the Republican candidates. I say, oh, they all it's a Republican primary. The only person on the ballot here is Donald Trump. Click Donald Trump. And I leave. That's it. That's it. There's not going to be a Senate primary. If you kill House Bill 757, we won't have to worry about a, a, a Senate primary. David Perdue and Kelly Leffler will, will be on the ballot in November. So there, there aren't going to be any major races. There'll be Donald Trump, a Republican presidential primary. There may not even be that. I think the GOP in Georgia is going to cancel the presidential primary because uh, nobody's going to vote for Joe Walsh and, and um, Bill Weldon anyway. So that's what you do. It's, it's what you do for every election. You go in, you push the button, and you leave. That's not what a caucus is. A caucus is fundamentally different creature. With a caucus, you go in the evening and you hear pitches from candidates at every precinct. This is why caucuses are about organization in a way that a primary is not. In a caucus, every precinct, you go to each precinct. Each precinct has a caucus location. Sometimes because of the the size of counties, it's just a county location. Everybody shows up at one location, but in bigger areas, each precinct has one, and so each precinct has a has a candidate representative. And each of those candidate representatives is allowed to make their pitch, and you got to sit there and listen to their pitch. And their pitch can't be long; they're timed. They'll get cut off. But someone gets to make a pitch for Joe Biden. I believe you should vote for Joe Biden because we need to beat Donald Trump. Polls show that Joe Biden is in the lead, and polls show that Joe Biden does best against Donald Trump. Black voters are going to join us, uh, join forces with us when we get to the South. Joe Biden needs to be the nominee. He's the guy best able to beat Donald Trump, and he's the guy who was Barack Obama's vice president. Vote Joe Biden. Thank you. And they sit down. And the Bernie Sanders person gets up. I believe we need a major revolution in this country, and you need to support Bernie Sanders because we don't need to go back to the Obama administration. We need to go forward to something new, and Bernie Sanders is the way forward, and he's the way to beat Donald Trump and to give this country something new that's never been done before. Socialism, rah! And then the Bernie person sits down, and Elizabeth Warren's person gets up. We need to go with Elizabeth Warren because white people who think they're Native Americans are cool, and that's why I like Elizabeth Warren. And she sits down, and it, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And everybody gets a pitch. The pitches are focus grouped. The pitches are scripted. And each person reads from that script, and that script is very short. And then the room divides. And as the room divides, people can be persuaded to move from the Joe Biden block to the Warren block, from the Warren block to the Sanders block. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh! Andrew Yang is gaining. You know, if I go to Andrew Yang, I can keep him in the game. I'm going to walk from Sanders over to Andrew Yang. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Biden really is the guy who needs to win. And, uh uh-oh, he and Warren are tied in the precinct. I'm going to leave Yang, and I'm going to go back to Biden to make sure that he gets more votes than Elizabeth Warren. Boom. Joe Biden wins the precinct. He's got one more vote than Elizabeth Warren. In each of those precincts, it's a manual count of the people. There are 20 people in Joe Biden's group. There are 19 people in Elizabeth Warren's group. There are 18 people in Bernie Sanders' group. There are two people in Andrew Yang's group. And then they divide them up. Proportional representation. Everybody gets a few delegates. The first person, second person, third person, everybody's divided up. you got to clear a threshold. I forget what the threshold is. But it is a long process. And here's the other thing. What day is it? It is January 28th. A week away from the, less than a week away, because I think it's on a Monday night, the Iowa caucus. What, it, what is it? it? It's February 3rd is the Iowa caucus. Um, that is going to be, yep, it's a Monday night. The Iowa caucus, Monday night. And you're going to be there on a Monday night in Iowa. And it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold, 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 cold. And you're going to leave your family, you're going to leave your kids, you're going to leave your food, you're going to leave your kids' homework, you're going to leave all of that, and you're going to go hang out for multiple hours at the Iowa caucuses. You you don't go in, push a button, and leave like you do in Georgia. You go hang out for hours at a caucus. And all the candidates make their pitch, and everybody jockeys for position. So it's really hard to do a poll of an Iowa caucus Because it depends on who actually is going to show up and are they actually going to stay to see it through. It's one thing to say you've been to a caucus. It's another thing to say you've seen it through. But here's the other thing. It is a test of organizational mobility. If you can organize a ground game for a caucus, that's different from organizing for a primary. Because what's the voter for a primary to do? Show up, click a button, and leave. Or fill in a bubble and leave. With a caucus, you're going to find people who are going to hang out. You're going to find people who can give speeches. You're going to find people who can be persuasive. You're going to do all of this stuff. So it's a great way to organize a ground game, but it also takes a big burden. And there's another problem. The Democratic Party doesn't have a good track record of having the person who wins Iowa becoming the nominee. John Kerry, you'll recall, lost Iowa. I believe he lost New Hampshire. Barack Obama won. Um, Hillary Clinton, I think, lost to Bernie Sanders. And... So it's difficult to organize. It's very time intensive. Major candidates don't like to devote the resources. And every year there's the hand ringing that oh, we need to leave Iowa. Iowa and New Hampshire don't need to be first in the nation. They're too white. They're too unrepresentative. But you know the you know the reason the parties like Iowa and New Hampshire first. Yes, it's tradition. It absolutely is tradition. But there's a reason they love the Iowa caucuses first because it's forget the 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 demographics. Forget the ethnicity. It's about organization. Can you build an organization that can organize in a place like Iowa? Can you do a county by county, precinct by precinct organization for a caucus? Can you find the voters to show up and stay to support you? If you can do that, you know, not every Democratic nominee has won the Iowa caucus. Again, John Kerry didn't, Hillary Clinton didn't. But no Democrat has ever won the presidency without winning. The Iowa caucus, to my knowledge, I think Bill Clinton won the Iowa caucus. Yeah. It's a sign of organizational fortitude, a sign of organizational strength, a sign of organizational strategy. And if you can do it, you can win. And Bernie Sanders looks like he may be able to do it. Joe Biden has not invested time, talent or treasure in Iowa to make it happen. And that gives Bernie Sanders votes. But while all the media is is saying this and, you know, in the real Clear politics betting average, uh, Bernie Sanders has uh, gone up in the polling. Bernie Sanders in the lead right now. But let's look at the actual polling average still. Joe Biden is still at 28.7%. Joe Biden is at 28.7 in the national polling average. Sanders is at 23.3. Warren is at 14.9. Warren, by the way, is completely cratered. Bloomberg is now at eight. Buttigieg is now 7. Yang has gone up to 4.9. Klobuchar, 3.9. All these people trying to make it happen. Uh, Biden is up 5.4%. Now, let's stretch this out. The highest that Joe Biden has ever gotten was to 41.4%. 41.4. That was the day Joe Biden entered the race. Joe Biden uh, well, got to 41.4%. But where was Joe Biden at the very beginning? Before Joe Biden was even a candidate, where was Joe Biden? Joe Biden was at 29% in the polling average. Where's Joe Biden today? 28.7. Just the other day, just the other day, January 25th, Joe Biden was at 29.5%. That's pretty remarkable, actually, that Joe Biden has been consistent. You know what this reminds me of? In all honesty, this reminds me of, when was it? Um, It was the 2012 Republican primary. Uh, 2012, hang on, let's see. 2012 Republican primary polling average. Um, Let me make this point for you uh, in case you've forgotten. In the 2012 Republican primary polling averages, who was it? Uh, Mitt Romney was holding steady at 24% and then... Who came next? Rick Perry skyrocketed above him, and then Rick Perry fell, and Romney back in the lead. And then who came next? Herman Kane. Remember Herman Kane? Herman Kane got above him. And then who came next? Newt Gingrich got above him. And then who came next? Well, Romney's back in the lead, and then oh, 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 Newt Gingrich back again in the lead. And then Romney, and then Romney. Oh, 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 Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum's in the lead, and then Mitt Romney again and again and again. It is remarkable to look at the polling average from the Republican primary in 2012 and the polling average of the Democrats now in, in their historic measure of the ups and downs. And you, you know, the, the major difference is that, her, um, sorry to say, uh, Joe Biden has held steadier for longer than Mitt Romney did in 2012. With Mitt Romney's race, with Mitt Romney's race, candidates would would jump above him. First, Rick Perry did it, and then Herman Cain did it, and then Newt Gingrich did it, and then Gingrich did it again, and then Santorum did it. And even for a while, Bachman almost surged on him. And each of those Republican candidates could get ahead of Mitt Romney in 2012. The only time that has happened to Joe Biden in this entire campaign season was once. Elizabeth Warren, on one day in the polling average, got ahead of him by a two tenths of a point. Uh, no, yep, two tenths of a point. On October 8th, 2019, Elizabeth Warren was ahead of Joe Biden for a single day in the polling average by two tenths of a point. Otherwise, no one has gotten ahead of Joe Biden. It's remarkable to look at the Romney race in 2012 versus the Biden race in 2020. Essentially, all these candidates have been vying against each other to take on Joe Biden, but there have been so many of them, and none of them have wanted to get out of the way, that has given Joe Biden a tremendous advantage. You know, in the same way, go back to 2016 and look at Trump. You had all these candidates vying to be the alternative of Trump, and they spent so long vying to be the alternative of Trump, no one could actually take on Trump until it was too late. That's exactly what's happening with Biden, and that's to his advantage. But there's a problem there as well. No one's really challenged Biden in the way Trump will. Uh, They've tried, and they've fallen flat. Uh, Kamala Harris tried the most and blew herself up. She didn't handle it well. She didn't engage. She didn't pursue it. And no one wants to be the sacrificial lamb. Donald Trump, he's going to throw punches at Joe Biden that these other candidates haven't thrown. I got to tell you guys, I think it would actually be a cathartic experience for the United States to have a Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump election. Now, no, no, no. for all of you who are thinking, oh, yeah, Bernie would be easy to beat. Uh, that's what Hillary Clinton said about Donald Trump. You, you will recall in 2016 that the Clinton team actively tried to help Donald Trump get the Republican nomination because they were convinced he would be the easiest path forward for them. True story. Um, I, I think that this is not exactly, uh, a, a brilliant strategy for the Democrats, but I'm not going to say Sanders can't win. Sanders could win, and there's actually plenty of data that uh, if enough Sanders supporters voted for Donald Trump in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin to turn those states towards him. Now, what that analysis does not include is how many Democrats would sit home and say, uh, "We can't, we can't destroy the Democratic Party like this. We we can't go with a guy like Bernie Sanders because that would turn us into the Trump Party. Just four more years of Trump, and then we'll we'll clean house." That that there's a possibility there that some Democrats will go there. There are some Democrats who are deeply, deeply fearful of the idea of running Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump. And they're afraid of a Jeremy Corbyn moment. They are afraid of the Bernie bro moment. Hillary Clinton has been warning about this phenomenon, the Bernie bro phenomenon. Uh, It it concerns her and a lot of the Democratic establishment greatly. There's another problem uh, that we should acknowledge as well. Bernie Sanders isn't a Democrat. Bernie is, is is not a democrat. He he is an independent in the Senate and yet he's trying to use the Democratic Party as a vehicle to get the nomination and holy cow they're going to maybe let him do it. I still think it, the advantage is to Joe Biden. And there's another thing about Bernie Sanders that's problematic for the Democrats. He's been a candidate for 40 or he's been 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 on the ballot for 40 years in local races in Vermont all the way up to the United States Senate. He's got a major track trail, major, major, major major political traffic and more. And I got to tell you that I don't think that the Democrats have ever bothered to dive deep into his record. Hillary Clinton made a mistake in 2016 of not doing opposition research on Bernie Sanders. I assure you the Republicans will leave no stone unturned, and Donald Trump has a bully pulpit and uses it better than any other candidate. And some of the stuff that's going to come out about Bernie Sanders is going to be cray-cray. You know, they were hyper-defensive of Bernie Sanders. When I was on Bill Maher's show on Friday on HBO – Everybody was very hypersensitive to the idea of me calling Bernie Sanders a communist. Oh, my goodness. goodness. My, my Michael McFaul, he's not a communist. He's not a communist. Uh, actually, yeah, I mean, the guy's communist. He calls himself a democratic socialist, but he's a communist. And uh, he didn't like that, but it's true. And when some of the stuff about his ties to the Soviet Union come out, that's going to matter to people. Uh, his economic policies are going to matter to people. And it's going to be a vote for who do you think is going to wreck the country the least. And Donald Trump's going to win that fight against Sanders.